Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. This is uh, Caregiver Dave, and we're doing a special uh, recording for uh, Tanya and Sharika, who have their own show. And uh, I'll just hand it off to them now, because they're the hosts, and I am the guest. That's Hello, amazing. my name is Dave. Hello. Hello. I was going to say that. You just, you just did a show within a show. A show within a show. <laughs> and you can do commercials, too, with that. That's really cool. Promote yourself, promote your book, promote whatever you want to promote. So you you uh, you interview authors, right? We have a lot of them. We have interviews. So, so we'll take a couple of breaks, and I'll show you my two uh, book trailers, which will help promote my book. So what can I do for you, girls? Thank you. Well, my name is Sharika Dash, and we're here today to hear your story of how to survive as a caregiver. How to survive. Well, you know, I always thought that I did a good job surviving caregiving, but I've come to realize that surviving is not enough. <laughs> think of surviving. You, you think of that poster of the, of the black cat who's all wet, and she's holding on by her claws, and it says at the bottom, hang in there, and the cat's just going like this. You know, and how many times do we feel like we're just hanging on? We're just surviving. We're just making it, you know? Well, who wants to just survive, right? It's like there's three um, stages of financial prosperity, right? There's when you, when you have not enough money, right? That sucks, right? And then you come to a point where you have just enough money. And that's pretty good because when you didn't have enough, it's nice to have just enough. But it's really nice to move to the next level and have more than enough. And so with caregiving, 30% of them die before their loved ones do. And that's yeah. because they get all stressed out. They get burned out. They don't put their oxygen mask on first. And so surviving is not good enough. The average caregiver gets two or three hours sleep every night. I can't survive in two or three hours. Can you? No. I, that would be a no, yeah. And then they, uh, they don't eat right. You know, they eat stuff that they shouldn't eat because they're always on the go. They're not eating... The, uh, the proper amount of vegetables and, and fruits and, you know, protein and all that stuff. They might just be eating ding-dongs all day long, and that's just not good. And so, the, you know, now they're diabetic, and, uh, <clears throat> and they've got all sorts of problems. Did then, you eat ding-dongs? Um, no, this is, this is healthy beef jerky because it's protein. I just lost 20 mm -hmm. pounds doing, doing keto, if you know what that is. That's, yes. you can eat anything you want, just stay away from breads, rice, the starches, you know, the pastas, and that's hard yes. for me because I love bread. I can consume 500 grams of, of uh, breads and pizza and just, you know, so I, the only thing that, that caused me to realize that I could actually possibly do it is that you can eat everything else in the no matter what quantities, you know, he says, don't worry about calories for now. Just just so you, you like bacon, you can eat all the bacon you want. Wow, really? You like hamburger? You like chicken? 
so so I tried it and I, I'm doing it. I haven't had bread and I can't remember when. I haven't had pizza and I can't remember when. And, you know, I like pizza. Somebody got me this greeting card one time. It says, because they knew I like pizza, it says, pizza is like sex. When it's good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it's still good. So yes. I somehow have been able to give up pizza and bread and I lost 20 pounds and I look good. I just bought a new tank top here in Hawaii and it's medium <laughs> and it doesn't look like I'm fat. So that's, I'm happy about that. Uh, of course, I did try on the small, but that, that just, it, it, it was clinging to me too much. So I guess I still <laughs> got a way to go. I don't think I want to lose any more weight. Otherwise, your face starts looking like, you know, you have AIDS. Yeah. But getting back to me, I, my beautiful wife, she's back there in bed. Say hi, honey. <laughs> you see her over there? Hi. Wave your hand. Hi. We're in a hotel room at the uh, Outrigger Reef in Hawaii. And um, 23 years ago, this beautiful woman, I, I, I married, well, let me start at the beginning, right? Because you want a story? Yes. So, um, 45 years ago, I was just a child. I was 20, and I met this girl who was 30, and uh, she was divorced a couple of years, came out of an abusive marriage, had a five-year-old and a 10-year-old girl. And I was just looking for bodies to go sailing because I, I had a sailboat, and I was, uh, you can't go sailing without a crew. So um, she was at a friend's house. I was over asking my friend over, and she was eavesdropping. She says, well, I want to go sailing too. I looked up. I said, Do "I know you." She says, "Yeah, I'm John's wife or ex-wife." His John was the one I went to sailing with a lot. And one time he brought his wife, and uh, he looked a little familiar. And I says, "Oh, I'm sorry that you're divorced." She goes, "Don't be. He was a real jerk." And so, I, so she says, "Well, can I go?" I says, "Well, did you get sick last time?" She goes, "No." I says, "Okay, you can go." And so I says, "Great, another body checked off my list." And then the next day, she calls me up. I don't know where she got my number from. She said, um, hey, I just wanted to thank you for inviting me sailing. And uh, in, in appreciation, I want to invite you over to my house for dinner. Thinking, what? You know, I'm 20. She's 30. In, in the 70s, we didn't trust anybody over 30. She was just, you know, an older woman. <laughs> and I said, well, it was a free meal. You know, we're a starving student. I says, okay. She goes, yeah, you'll like it. I'm a gourmet cook. I didn't know what gourmet was, but I didn't say that. I show up at her door, I ring the doorbell, and she opens the door, and all of a sudden I get hit with this woof of aromas, you know. Um, first, the smelled was um, incense. You know, it was the 70s, and it was a familiar aroma. And then the next thing I smelled was her perfume. It was, now I know it's, it was Giorgio, but it smelled really good. And then the third thing that I smelled was this amazing aroma coming from the kitchen. And I'm Middle Eastern, you know. Uh, my parents uh, only cooked Syrian food. Very rarely did we have American food. Uh, my father liked his meat well done, so he just, you know, told her to burn a steak on the frying pan. And when it was black and charred, it was it was done right. So I, I thought the only food in the world was Syrian food and, and burnt meat. And so my palate was very undeveloped. <laughs> but it smelled really good. And then I noticed in the background, 
all the lights were down low and candles were flickering everywhere. And then I heard in the background, unforgettable, that's no. what you are. And then everything just froze. And I says, oh, my God, I'm on a date. <laughs> and then I freaked out. I says, oh, my God, do I want to be on a date with this older woman? And so I checked her out, you know, top to bottom. She was wearing this Hawaii muumuu thing, and she looked pretty good for a 30-year-old woman. And so I said, I can do this. Reality came back. That all happened in a split second. And she says, oh, you're going to love the evening. Um, it's an eight-course meal, uh, and the theme is everything is stuffed. And we had stuffed uh, mushrooms with caviar and and stuffed uh, Cornish game hens and stuffed dessert. And by the end of the evening, I was stuffed. Uh, <laughs> nevertheless, uh, it was a date, <laughs> as un unexpected as it was. And the next time we met was on the boat. And we just did the getting to know you dance for eight hours. It was an eight-hour sail to Catalina. We leave at midnight. We were up all night. And by the time we get there, you know, we're fooling around on the island and and uh, coming back, we hit a storm, and, and she was barfing over the side. The whole crew was barfing over the side. And I said, oh, my God, she's never going to want to go out with me again. Here she's on a boat thinking she's going to die. But she did go out with me again and again and again. And uh, about a year and three months later, we got married. So we had Aww. a fairy tale story book, romance, courtship, and marriage. We never argued. We never yelled at each other. We never disagreed. And everybody said, are you crazy? You're marrying a woman 30 years or 10 years older than you, and you're still in your four, third year of college, and, and you don't even have a job, and, and she's got a 5-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a crazy ex-husband who's still stalking her and, and uh, slashing the tires of anyone she goes out with. And he didn't bother me because yeah. I knew him. He kind of avoided me. And I said, yeah, but, you know, I think I'm in love, and I don't want to let go of my soulmate and kick myself in the butt the rest of my life. And, and so that's how it started. But then 23 years ago, she was complaining about this headache. Right around the time we're supposed to be having an uh, uh, empty nest syndrome, right, where the kids are all grown up now, and uh, we got the house free, and we can do whatever we want. We can travel. I uh, don't have to worry about leaving kids at home to destroy the house. She complains about this headache she's had. Three days. And on the fourth day, she was going to go see a doctor, but instead, the ambulance had to come. And it was too late. Uh, the woman I loved had suffered a massive stroke and left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed on one side. And our world turned upside down, and nothing would ever be the same again. And those next two years were like a living hell for both of us. You know, she was angry and bitter most of the time. And Point, I just didn't think I could take it. I wrote her this letter and said, Charlene, I just, why are you so mean to me? I can't, uh, can't even take care of you. Uh, it's so hard 24 7, not getting any crumbs of appreciation or love in return. And I just don't think I can be with you anymore. And uh, I'll take care of you financially, but I just can't be with you. And I read the letter over and over again, and I wanted to give it to her, but I said, How can I give this to the woman I love, to my soulmate, to the mother of my children? And uh, so I filed it away. I went on in my loneliness and uh, depression until I found a business card in my pocket. I didn't even know where it came from. Somebody must have given it to me. It invited me to a caregiver support group. I didn't even know what a caregiver was, let alone a support group. But I figured if they gave it to me, maybe they thought I needed it. So I went. And everything changed for me. I, I uh, <clears throat> met people there just like me, burned out caregivers. 
I learned if I didn't put my oxygen mask on first, I couldn't take care of Charlene. So I just started taking care of me first, you know, being selfish that I could take care of her. And slowly but surely, you know, it, uh, she started to see a change in me that I wasn't reacting to her anger because anger was her best and favorite emotion in the grief process. And I was the only one to, uh, to you know, take it out on. And so she started becoming her old self again, slowly, very slowly. And then our love started to get rekindled slowly. And then I realized that there are other caregivers out there who are suffering and going through so much pain. And I didn't want them to give up like I almost gave up. So I became Dave the Caregiver's Caregiver. Most a popular uh, syndicated radio show heard in 150 uh, countries and, and all 50 states. And... And I'm writing my fourth book now. I mean, here's the third one about caregiving. And I got the first one over there, One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, talking about our memoirs, how we survived without killing each other. And now my fourth book is about uh, Dave's hammock wisdom, 99 Lessons Learned Living Life. Because every time I lay on my hammock, God gives me this wisdom. And it'd be selfish for me to just keep it to myself. So I'm sharing it with, with the world. Uh, I used to counsel my teenage friends when they were younger. Well, how can I get this girl to like me? And I said, oh, here's all you got to do is this and this and this. And when they listened to me, they got the girl. When they didn't, they didn't. And so that's the story. And I've been on 31 TV shows, morning shows, network all across the country. I've spoken at Harvard and NASDAQ and, and Carnegie Hall. I've shared the stage with Suzanne Summers and Martha Stewart and Ice-T and Coco. You know them. <laughs> yes. So uh, here we are, and here's my story, and now I'm just helping caregivers stay alive because 30% of them die before their loved ones do, and the rest of them get sicker and, and in the hospital uh, and need a caregiver of their own. And so now it's your turn. <laughs> wow. That's my story. Wow, Dave. As, and both of us have been caregivers. I know Sharika took care of her mother. Um, For three and years. I have yeah. Three years. Wow. Good for you. How, did it did it cause you to, to burn out at, at one point? What? Well, with my mother, I had to get to the point where I had to be just as mean as she was at the time. Because her <laughs> thing was her thing was she was just mean Sometimes, and yeah. very honorary. And so I had to tell her, You just don't get to make me feel bad about taking care of you. You don't get that. <laughs> And Good I had to just sometimes treat her like that because her thing was, I don't want nobody to do nothing for me. I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> but then she makes a right. big mess. So just, like two year old, just like two-year-olds. Do it myself. Do it myself. Yeah. Well, I'm what, was her, what? what was her uh, illness and or disability? She had ovarian cancer. And with the process of having ovarian cancer, she ended up getting a treatment that didn't agree it ended up making her cancer more aggressive so it ended up actually messing with brain cells and different other things so she was almost starting over like from the yeah 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 so you did three years of, of hell it wasn't all hell right just the last part no matter of fact i loved her so much even the hell i love that too <laughs> but the thing was she was so young my mom was only 42 at the time that's very young. Charlene was 52 when she had a stroke, which is still young. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Now she she's was 75 so and she still looks great. Uh, I forgot to mention that she still cannot talk and she still cannot walk. 
but she can communicate non-verbally through Pictionary and Charades, you know, two games I hate, by the way, but I'm, I'm learning to love. And she has this power chair that goes faster than me. She, she just makes us all look like whiners and complainers, a cross between Martha Stewart and Wonder Woman. And um, so, uh, you know, uh, I've got arthritis in my feet. I just had to get some injections in my feet while I'm here in Hawaii. We've got a great doctor here. But i got to stay off my feet for three days so that the stuff can, can take effect. And, and uh, uh, so kind of both trapped in bed uh, for the next three days, I guess. But it's a nice place to be trapped in bed with, with the, uh, the ocean right out our door. Can you see that? Yes. I, I heard the waves earlier. I know. They were so loud I couldn't hear you. <laughs> I heard the I waves earlier. I thought, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, so, um, I know. No. <clears throat> <laughs> we got stuck. I know. I know that I I have done the caregiver thing. The first time I had to be a caregiver, I was 11 years old. It was my grandmother. Wow. Um, and they taught me how to change bedpans and to give injections, and I was the only one there with her at night. And then I went from that to helping my best friend. And then I went from that to my mother-in-law, and then finally my husband. So I have been a caregiver wow. off and on, over and over and over again since I was 11 years old. Yeah, you know, um, there's a lot of uh, kids from age 8 to 18 who are unpaid family caregivers. Many of them don't get the labor board uh, breaks, you know, like you get at work and uh, the 30-minute uh, lunch hour, etc. And many of them uh, miss school because there's no one else to watch grandma, you know. And uh, it, it's sad. It's really sad. So what what scars do you have from caregiving for doing it so long? I think I'm just now learning how to not do things for people, even if it was detrimental to me. <laughs> because I've been a caregiver all my life. And so this last one, has, because it was so, I mean, my husband and I were together for 15 years. And his illness, he started to be very self-destructive. And because he was being very self-destructive, I ended up having to walk away and then he got put in hospice, and I had to come back because I wasn't going there. And it was just to be there for him every day. If I don't start to take care of myself. And that was when I started keto, was in the middle of his illness. Oh, so it's worked for you. It worked, and I'm doing it again. Because I kind of, when he passed away, I started eating my feelings, and I ate 30 pounds. So it's been a year. It'll be <laughs> And so I got to get rid of the stuff that I ate back that I lost the first time. <laughs> so I'm going back into my keto journey again because I screwed it up being depressed. So emotional overeater. Yes. Yes. But this is amazing though because I feel like this is a shared experience. more of a conversation than an. Because we all share similar experiences and can kind of help each other, if that makes any sense. Because there's so many caregivers there that don't have anybody to talk to. And it, and it's, I know for me as a kid, when I did it the first time, 
I didn't understand what was going on. I was a baby. And so to look back at it now and to realize, well, I've been doing this all my life and all my relationships were based around caregiving. I would do for them and they would do for me. And so that's just now it, it has to change because I, I won't survive doing it again. Not like that. No, let's let's talk about the three things, the three biggest uh, problems that uh, caregivers make, the three biggest mistakes, I should say. And I keep um, I keep uh, muting Sharika because she's got a lot of background noise that affects uh, your speaking. So I see she mutes herself too, and when she unmutes herself, I mute herself. So just want to keep the background noise down because it affects the quality. So the, the biggest mistake caregivers make, as I've already mentioned, is they don't know how to put their needs first. You know, the airlines tell you put your oxygen mask on first, but um, caregivers, they may know that on an intellectual level, but somehow they just get sucked into it, you know. Um, a good example is let's say your neighbor is elderly and, and every day you watch him go out there and struggle to, you know, shuffle and pick over and bend over and pick up his newspaper and bring it in. So you, you figure, well, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be a nice guy. I'm going to go over there and bring his paper in for him. Next thing you know, you while you're doing that, you you notice he's reaching for something on the top shelf. You say, oh, let, hell, let me help you get that, you know. Next thing you know, you're making him breakfast. Next thing you know, you're taking him to his doctor appointments. Next thing you know, you're this guy's caregiver, and you don't, how did this happen? And, you know, you, you just kind of get sucked into it. You don't realize what's happening. And, and a lot of people, um, they just don't know how to say no, and that's why the title of my book is Reclaim Your Caregiver Sanity by Learning When to Say Yes and When to Say No, when to say no because boundaries, right? Everybody needs boundaries, not just caregivers. Um, I, I have an exercise to say just look in the mirror and say no to yourself in the mirror so you can see what it looks like. 100 different ways to say no. Now, my wife is very good. She doesn't have a very big vocabulary, but yes and no are in her vocabulary, and she can say no about 100 different ways. She'll say no, 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 and so on. Right, honey? And she likes to say no. <laughs> and so um, that will give you practice because it, once you're used to saying no in the mirror, when somebody says, hey, Tanya, can you help me out? And she says, gee, I love you. I love to, but, you know, I just can't. I'm so sorry. And maybe Tanya would never say that in her life. She always says, Sarah, what do you want? You know, because you're always you know saying what? yes. That used to be me. I just, me and Sharika just had this conversation about a situation. And I told her, yeah. I said, look, it used to be that whatever my friends wanted, it didn't matter yeah. if it benefited or not. It was always, yes, I'm going to figure it out. And then you become this person that can't keep commitments because you've overcommitted to like 100 people and you can't do all 100 of those flake. things. So then you become yeah. classified as a flake when the reality of it is your heart's just too big. So I'm learning right. to say no. It's hard. I've cried all night once because I couldn't figure out. <laughs> I was like, I got to no. And okay, God help me. I literally had to pray in tears. And I sent it to I said, listen, baby, that's not what God is telling me to do. I can't do it. And I had to say no. And it hurt to say no, but I had to for my own you're a, you're a people pleaser and and you get your fulfillment and your love by pleasing people. But you can't do that because people can can um, 
uh, spot, an, an easy mark, as they say, you know, um, and you become an easy mark. Oh, just ask Tanya. She'll do it. Oh, yeah, Tanya <laughs> never says no. And pretty soon you've got a reputation uh, that uh, Tanya's my my go-to girl. You know, she can get anything I want whenever I want it. And if she can't get it, she'll find it somewhere, you know, and that that's just no good. And so you had to get over the fact that it's okay if people don't like me. Uh, and they won't necessarily not like you just because you say no, but you have the fear that saying no means, oh, now they're not going to like me, and now I'm not going to have any friends, now I'm going to be lonely, or you know, wherever that tra takes you in your mind. So uh, the one thing that you need to be is a friend to yourself, because the Bible says, love others the way you love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, how are you going to love hey. others, you know? Dave is preaching. Dave is preaching. <laughs> did that in, Dave? Oh, man. Yeah. That was smooth, Dave. I love that. That was smooth. That was smooth. And, but you're not right. And. If you don't love you, you can't love anybody else. That's right. That's right. And we've all met, I mean, if you're a woman, you've all met men who claim that they love you, but you know, <laughs> dude, you don't love me. You don't even love yourself. You know, you don't know what love is, right? That, isn't that a, a common conversation with a, that a woman has with a man who's just using her and, you know, why buy the cow when the milk's free and all that stuff? You know, and he thinks he's in love and he's making promises and these girls just want to hear this and they're just easy marks. And that's just, that's just one aspect of romance. But there are so many other aspects, you know, especially as we get older. Um, it's it's really sad, but it's interesting how many times after a couple gets a divorce and one of the uh, divorced couple uh, has a need, like a surgery or something, there are so many ex-spouses taking care of their ex-spouse as a caregiver, and they're not even married anymore. And I'll, I'll ask them, well, why, oh, you know, I still love them. I just can't live with them, <laughs> that kind of stuff. But it's it's a very interesting thing. The next uh, biggest mistake the caregivers make is they don't know how to ask for help. You know, everyone has one of these. It's called a cell phone. You, you turn it on, you punch in your number, and you speak. Hello, Mom. I need help. Grandma's driving me crazy. You know, call your brother, call your sister, call your wife's ex-husband, call anybody. We get over that silly notion. If you can't do it all by yourself, you're a failure as a caregiver because that attitude will kill you. I mean, I'm the caregiver's caregiver, and I was using a skill saw one time, and I know how to use skill saws. I know how to be careful. I know how to use power tools. And I was cutting this long piece of molding, and somebody really needed to hold the other end. And I was around other people, but I, I, I just didn't want to ask for help. I didn't want to be indebted to anybody. I, you know, what do we say when we don't ask for help? Oh, they probably are too busy or... You know, whatever the reason is, you don't ask for help. You caregivers can't do this by themselves. They do need help, and you're not a failure if you can't do it. So I cut my finger down to the bone because I didn't ask for help. And then I went to the ER and they sewed it up. And and then I thought I learned my lesson. A month later, I was doing something at at my business. I was and the wind hit it. It hit me in the head. Three stitches in the head. He comes back. He says, "Well, what did you do now?" I don't know. I thought I learned my lesson. The, the ask, I needed help. I didn't ask for help. And the yeah. third thing, the third problem that caregivers have, don't worry, it's being recorded, is the guilt. Okay. You know, you'll be able to hear this afterwards. 
And, um, you know, we all remember that caregiver who took care of his elderly father in the junk business, that show that was on. It was called Sanford and Son, right? Fred yes. was notorious into guilting Lamont and doing all sorts of cockamamie things that had no business Lamont had, uh, you know, wasn't in Lamont's best interest. And and Fred did it this way. Oh, oh, it's a big one. No, son, really, it's a big one. Elizabeth, I'm coming to meet you, honey. It's a big one. And Lamont would fall for that con every single time. And it was like caregivers are the same way, you know. They just... They, it's like being handcuffed to your loved one for the rest of your life in caregiver prison with solitary confinement, no possibility of parole. And that kind of guilt will kill you. So I came up with a formula. It's a CARE acronym, C-A-R-E. C, communicate with your friends and don't isolate yourself. Caregivers need to have their friends with them. They have to, you know, keep doing the things they did before when they were normal. They were, you know, going to the movies, go get your nails done, go to Starbucks, go whatever, you know, to the gym. A, ask for help and be specific. You know, hey, you going to the grocery store tomorrow? Can you pick me up some lettuce? I'm, I'm out. Um, C-A-R. Uh, R is rest. Caregivers need eight hours rest every single night, but the average caregiver only gets two or three. I can't survive on two or three. And E stands for eat. Eat healthy, nutritious food. Don't eat junk food. Junk food's got sugar, chemicals, processed ingredients, and all that stuff will kill you. So that's basically my story. I told you who I am and what I've done and, and what the three biggest mistakes caregivers are making and, and some tips to, uh, to do it, you know. So I think, I think that's all I got to say. What do you guys think? We have five questions that we usually ask everybody that comes to the show. All right. What so are, we've what got are to the ask five, these five questions. questions. Okay. If you was to have to sit down with someone who was in the same situation, what would, advice would you give that person? Well, I I think I already answered that with the uh, with the care formula. I just do the the C communicate. Uh, with your friends, don't isolate yourself. Ask for help and be specific. Rest, you know, get eight hours rest every single night, and eat healthy, nutritious food. Don't eat junk food. Okay. Okay. I have, well, me personally, I have a sister-in-law who tends to try to care for everybody, but she's caregiver for a mother, and it that's a big enough job right there. Yeah, and I and I'm trying to encourage this lady that okay, you go pick one thing. You're gonna either take care of your mother or take care of everybody. I need you to pick one. So my thing is, if you knew somebody that was just all over the place, what advice would you give that person? Well, I would tell her that um, if you had a child, would you want them to be going through what you're going through? And, of course, he has, no, no, I don't want to be a burden to my children. And you know what? Uh, her mother doesn't want to be a burden to her child either. And so she just has to force herself to say, I'm not going to sacrifice my life for my mother's life. You know, our lives are both equally important. And my mother would not want me to sacrifice my life because a mother would throw her body in, in front of a, a, a locomotive to save her child's life, Right. And so once yes. she gets that perspective, then, you know, she'll make some wiser decisions. Um, it's funny you say that, though, Dave, because it seems like that, that would be true of some parents, but not all. There are some parents that would not 
make those type of sacrifices for their kids. It's well, weird those, what you those see are bad today. Those are bad parents, <laughs> and not all parents right. are good. That's why we're all screwed up right. because some of our parents screwed us out. You know, and we, we have to get over that. You know, just uh, drop the baggage and. And not everybody is perfect. There's a, a famous evangelist, Joyce Meyer. You probably know who she is. And she mm -hmm. talks about how her father uh, sexually abused her from the age of, you know, 14 or whatever it was. And it totally messed this woman up. And yet look at what God has done with this woman, just working on our baby steps, you know. She was loud. She was arrogant. She was obnoxious. And, and she's leading a Bible study, smoking so many cigarettes that they had to open the door, let out the smoke. And, and God just is a gentleman. He wants you to come to him just the way you are and uh -huh. not try to clean up your act first. And he'll fix it all if you give him time and if you're cooperative and you're obedient. Right, right. And I think, I think we all have similar stories. And I think my, yeah. my trail of tears as a caregiver was because of rejection and abandonment from my mother was because of all of those. So I'm trying to, because as a child, you think to yourself, if your mother doesn't want you, then what's wrong with you? Right. So in order to fix that for everybody else, I have to make, and so you have to make everybody like me because, yeah. well, my mom didn't want me. So I must be something wrong with me. So then I have to fix it for everyone. And that was the, that was the, the start of it, it started from a baby, from a child. And so it just well, kept going and going pleaser, and going yep. and going. Right. Right. Yeah. It sounds like and let's you're say I was the people now. pleaser. I was the people pleaser because I was the people yeah, pleaser. I'll be 47 on Sunday. <laughs> I, will, I will be 47 on Sunday, baby. I need you to yeah, understand. You look pretty good for 47. But if, if it does not fit, thank you, thank you. If it doesn't fit into God's plan, I'm not doing it. And that's just my bottom line. And it took a long time to get there, but I'm there now. Praise if, God. If, God. if that's not what God is telling me, you can miss me with that when I'm not doing it. The answer is yeah, I know that. And you can use that God excuse for, for when you need to say no. Say, I'm sorry. God, <laughs> God, no, really. God is not allowing me to do this. I'm sorry. Uh, you'll have to ask him to send somebody else to help you because I can't do it. <laughs> Now, a good friend of mine, uh, my, my book coach, Carmen Berry, New York Times bestselling author, she wrote her first caregiving book. And you know what the title was? When helping, others, when helping Others Hurts Me. And that's so true, you know. God doesn't want us to help others if it's going to hurt us. And a lot of people have a problem with that because they've got this formula, you know, Jesus first, others second, and you last. Well, really? <laughs> like I said before, you know what? how That's are you going to help others if you aren't even helping yourself? Be your own best friend. You know, you want a friend, right. be a friend. But start with you. Take yourself to the movies all by yourself. Oh, no, I'll never go to movies. Why not? Go to movies by yourself. Some people think it's a stigma to go to the movie by themselves, you know. But I like myself. I've been to the movies many times by myself. My pastor says there's a such thing as unsanctified mercy. When God didn't tell, tell you to help somebody, but you're helping them because of how you feel and not because that. Because sometimes God wants people to fall on their face so that yeah. he can pick them up instead of us doing it. 
Yeah, we rescue people from the consequences of their bad actions, and they never learn yes. that when you touch the stove, you're going to burn yourself because you're always burning yourself yes. instead of them. So, of course, they're going to keep touching the stove. Of course, right. they're going to not give up drugs. <laughs> you can't want them to give up drugs more than they want to give up drugs. And so you're always coming to their rescue. You, you, you help them stay out of jail. You, you bail them out when they do go to jail, and they can't... You know, spend a month in jail to learn. Wow, I better not do this again. No, because Tanya bailed him out. Bailed him out again. Thank you, Tanya. And now he's back in jail again. You know, <laughs> that's called codependency. Yeah, and and, and I did right. that too. Tough love. And I did that too. I did that too. And it it was it was hard because and that's when when I walked away from my husband, that was the reason why. Because well, not 40, only do you have forty seven years. Took you forty seven years to figure that out. Wow. <laughs> forty seven years and two marriages. Yep. Yep. And and when he when he finally was like, I okay, I figured it out. Well baby, now you're dying. Now it's too late. Now the cancer now between the drugs and the cancer have eaten you alive. And so now I all I can do now for you is take care of you and be here and hold your hand because it's too late. And so no. that was the part that he could never figure out. And I was, I was enabling him, and he was doing what he was doing. So it, I understand. I get it. Took a minute, but I get it. Did he get sick after you divorced him or no? No. It, and we didn't get a divorce. He got sick like uh, he got sick in 2015. And he passed away last year. All right, what's your next so question? So he was sick. Say it again. Uh, next question is. Three questions. Question number four, right? Yeah. Next question is, how would we send our guests to find any of your caregivers' books, shows, or any instructions on self-help for caregivers? Repeat that again, the first part of it. How would we send our guests to find any of your shows, books, or any okay. self-help information you have on caregiving? Just go to caregiverdave.com. And for everyone that goes there, I have three free gifts for them. I got a copy, a digital copy of my first book, One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, Overcoming Unbelievable Hardships. That looks backwards on my thing. <laughs> um, so that is the story of our lives and how we survived. And today, Thrive. And then the second gift that you get is this uh, quiz, Are You a Candidate for Burnout? Because some people don't know that they're a candidate for burnout. Well, here's a clue. If you think you might be, then you probably are. But this will um, help you uh, decide if you really are 100%, and it will give you uh, recommendations of what you can do to bring your score up. And then the third gift is an audio soundtrack to help you sleep at night so that you're not just sleeping one or two hours. It helps you get to sleep and it helps you stay asleep. And it's a membership website uh, for a small nominal fee, uh, $97 actually, uh, for the rest of your life. It's a one-time fee. You get tons and tons and tons and years and years and years of resources. It's an online caregiver support group, part of my Facebook page. I've got 45,000 members. And you're just not alone anymore. And there are videos. There are blogs. There are articles. There are group chats. You get a free hour of coaching from me just by becoming a member. 
And, you know, I get $300 an hour for coaching. And for $97 for the rest of your life, you get an hour of it. So the, the value is just uh, ridiculous. And so that's where they can go, caregiverdave.com. It's your one-stop place to get the support you need. Wow. All the books are on Amazon. All right. And, and, as well. and our fifth and final question. Okay, yes. our fifth and final. I think something is cutting out. But our fifth and final question is, if we have someone who is a caregiver that feel that they just can't do it no more, and they're at the point where they feel they just want to give up, what would be your advice? <laughs> and is it okay to feel that you can't do it no more? It is okay. Uh, it's a hard job. And it's a really impossible job. And I felt all of that. I thought that I couldn't do it anymore. But there are things you can do. You can, you can get away. I had my in-laws come and watch my wife. And, and I just hopped on a plane and, and went to see some relatives and cousins that I hadn't seen for decades. And when I came back, I felt rejuvenated. I had a new lease on life. I was able to, to just keep going. You know, when, when your phone starts uh, flashing 2%, danger, Will Robinson, you know, you better do something or this thing's going dead. Or if you forget to put gas in your car and the light's flashing, you know, reserve, you're going to get stuck on the freeway or God knows where, maybe in, in South Central Compton and, you know, someplace you don't want to be. And um, that's how it is with, uh, with caregiving. If you're to the point where all you can uh, say is, is uh, yelling at your loved one and, and uh, you know, maybe even hitting them, you know, because uh, elder abuse happens sometimes. Uh, child abuse happens sometimes because you get so frustrated with this kid. You know, you, you you need you need a timeout, and so yes, okay. you definitely need to remove yourself from the situation. Call somebody to come and and take over while you go take a breather or a timeout or go get a massage or or just get your hair done or get your nails done or go to Starbucks or just literally go away for the weekend because you're no good like that. That person yes. cannot be a caregiver. And maybe you shouldn't be a caregiver. Maybe it's time to put your loved one in a facility, a good one. Or maybe it's time to find a sibling who who needs to step up, you know, or step up with money or their time, and the money will help them. Maybe you need to find out if, if your loved one qualifies for government assistance, you know, from Social Security or the VA. Even a, a, a spouse of a, of a VA veteran is entitled to a lot of benefits, you know, in, um, in uh, assisted living or nursing home. So there's, there's just a lot of stones that need to be unturned. But uh, don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty because you're doing your best. And without God's help, nobody can do it because I sure couldn't. So if you haven't asked for his help, try that too. <laughs> <laughs> we thank you so much that has been very helpful because me being in this situation and me looking at my sister-in-law mine's only lasted for three years my sister has been doing this for numerous of years and she's also have her health issues and a lot of times she has to put a lot of her stuff on the back burner and then everybody else is her problem as well. And see, my thing is, I don't want to stop my life to help you help everybody else. If you was just caregiving and you needed help with that, 
I would be fine. But I can't stop my life just because you want to help everybody else. So maybe she'll listen to it and realize that we do want to help you, but your other problems is just not our problem. <laughs> yeah, well, even listening to this podcast should help, you know. Mm-hmm. So I thank you for having me on the show. All right. We and I thank you well. for having us on your show within a show because this is a show within a show. <laughs> No problem. Thank you very much. And I will play the uh, outro to my show. Actually, I said I was going to do a little commercial on my book. So here's the free book offer that I said you will get if you go to caregiverdave.com and click the Learn More button. So this is the book, the free book that you're going to get. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, Overcoming Unbelievable Hardships is about Charlene, a stroke survivor. Back in 1996, Charlene was a healthy, normal, very active 52-year-old woman whose amazing talents resemble that of both a Martha Stewart and a Wonder Woman. But all that changed when she suffered a massive stroke that left her severely speech-impaired and paralyzed on the right side. Who am I? My name is David. I've had the privilege of being Charlene's husband since 1975. We had a wonderful, fairy tale, storybook-like courtship that culminated in our marriage a year later. Charlene had just come out of a marriage where after 10 years, she received two black eyes and a broken nose by her former husband when he came home high on speed. Charlene believed in no second chances of any kind for abuse, so she left. Finding herself all alone in the world with her five and 10 year old daughters, Cynthia Lorraine and Deborah Lynn, she started raising them by herself for the next two years. Then fate brought us all together. After falling in love with Charlene, Cindy, and Debbie, our love then produced Rebecca Elizabeth. We had a wonderful, normal life for the next 20 years. But today, things are very different for everyone. How about the reaction of nine-time Grammy and Dove Award recipient, the godfather of contemporary gospel Christian music, Andre Crouch? Charlene just won't let the promises of God go and she has not let her circumstances get in the way of her faith. She's not just a survivor, she's more than a conqueror, as the Bible states. You'll be encouraged by her testimony, regardless of what you're going through. Available everywhere. I forgot forgot about Andre Crouch being in there. You probably know who he is. I know quite well who, I grew up with Andre Crouch. (laughs) In that time, he, his church was up the street from my family's church. I know exactly who he is. Oh, really? Yeah, on Vaughn Street. Yeah. I went to yep. that church for several years. We were good friends. Did you? I miss him so much. It's been five years. It's hard to believe. Yeah. And his twin yeah, sister. He was, uh, he was one of the generals in ministry. Yes, he was. He used to, he used to uh, tell me that, you know, Carmen, the musician, you know, uh, had these... Uh, uh, hundreds and thousands of uh, uh, salvations in his, uh, you know, he would fill up stadiums. And he says, you know, Carmen got saved at an Andre Crouch concert, so I get credit for all those souls, too. You know, it's kind of like network marketing. I yeah. didn't know that. Right. Yeah. I didn't know that Carmen, I didn't know that Carmen knew, was affiliated with Andre. I did not know that. He's not, he's not affiliated. He just happened to be in an Andre Crouch concert when he got saved. That's how he got saved. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. So Andre's thinking, wow, if I save, if if Carmen got saved through my ministry 
and he's saving all these souls. I must somehow get credit for all those souls too. And he would, you know, joke around. Right. And, but it's an interesting concept. <laughs> well, Jesus was the first well, network marketer. So that's right. All right, As girls. He told, well, he told four people, and they told everybody else. Did a good job. Thank you so much, Dave. Like that's amazing. Hope you like the new platform and uh, check it out, and I think <laughs> it'll work for you. Thank you. Oh my gosh, okay. you're amazing, Dave. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. 